Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter six of 365 Days. So where we left off, Massimo and the young Italian, Domenico, were telling Laura that she had to go to the airport in 20 minutes, so quickly pack your bags, and she said, you know what, I'm going to go rub one out in the bathroom instead. So she got a little vibrator friend, a little pink friend, and she went to town. She went to town, but the young Italian, Domenico, packed her bags for her, and then she got in the car to go to the airport. And she starts this chapter by saying, we reached the airport without any problems. (laughs) Like, thanks for letting us know. We were all on the edge of our seats wanting an update on the airport traffic. You know, there's always traffic on the way to the airport. And when you have a friend or a family member who's gone to the airport, you're like, did you get there without any problems? But we don't need to know that in this book. We don't really care that much. The main problem she should be focusing on is the fact that she's been kidnapped and she's now being forced to travel around Italy and Poland. They're on a world tour of Italy and Poland. So they get to the airport. And Massimo opens her door for her to get out of the car. And she says, he was being very gallant. This man is not gallant. But she says his gallantry and the linen suit was almost overpowering. So you can tell she's super turned on. Just forgetting everything that this man has put her through so far. And she says, as both my feet touched the ground, he discreetly grabbed my ass, pushing me towards the entrance. Can you ever discreetly grab someone's ass? I'm not too sure about that. And she says, I'd never had all the check-in formalities done so fast. All we had to do was pass through the building. So I know he's like a mafia boss, but how's he swinging that? Is he bribing the airport check-in people, the security people at the airport? Or are they like, that's Don Massimo, let him in. And I'm like, so what? Every official in this country is just respecting the mafia boss. It doesn't add up to me. It doesn't add up but I'm not, I'm not a mafia guy. I'm not from a mafia background, so I don't get it. But she says she's passing through the airport and then another car on the other side picks her up and drives them to a small plane. And remember, she's scared of flying, so she gets super nauseous. She says it looked too small, like a tube with some wings attached. Now that is what a plane is. That is what a plane is. Like a big plane is, is a tube with wings attached to it, to be fair to planes. And, and this small little plane, it's, it's still a tube with wings attached to it. She's spot on. And immediately she's whipping out the exclamation mark. She's like, I can't do it, Massimo. I can't. 
And she's like panting and panicking and not wanting to go up the stairs to the plane. And he says, don't make a scene or I'll have to carry you in by force because he's not forced to do anything so far. That's like a threat. And so he scoops her up and she's panicking. She's screaming. She's flailing her arms and he carries her up the steps and squeezes through the small entrance. She says, in the end, my desperate flailing got me what I wanted and Masamo put me down. Well, no, that's not what you wanted. You wanted to not get on the plane at all, but she's like, oh, put me down, put me down. And then he put her down, but she meant on the ground, but okay, no, she got what she wanted. She's on the plane, but straight away she slaps him and she goes, what the fuck were you thinking? Let me out, I want out. And then he grabs her and flings her into a leather couch that filled nearly the entire side of the plane. And he pins her down and she's like, God damn it, Massimo. And so he starts kissing her. She thinks to shut her up, but she's like, I'm not having that. Not, not at this point in time. So as soon as his tongue like fucks her mouth, as they say, she bites on it hard. And so then he pulls back and he lifts up his arm as if he's about to hit her, but he doesn't. He takes off his belt and she's thinking, oh my God, what's he going to do? And she says that he looks furious and she doesn't know what he's going to do, but he's like, get up, get your ass up. And he says, you will choose your punishment now, Laura. I warned you not to resist. Now give me your hands. And so he ties her hands up with the leather belt. And I'm kind of relieved because I was kind of worried that he was going to start whooping her with that belt. And that's not fun. That's not nice. That's really fucked up, but he's just tying her hands together so we can all breathe a sigh of relief. (laughs) Isn't that fucked up that that's, that makes me feel better that she's just getting tied up against a will instead of being hit. This is, this is messed up, messed up. But he ties up her hands and then he sits her in a chair and he puts the safety belt on. So she's, she's really strapped down. And he says, like it or not, your punishment is going to be corporeal and you can choose now. Either you suck me off or let me pleasure you with my tongue. Suck me off or let me pleasure you with my tongue. Ugh. And in my head, the choice is pretty clear, right? Like I'd, I'd be team. All right, well, lick me out instead of team. I have to do anything. And I know it's, I know it's against her will. She hasn't consented. I know it's bad, but if it was me, and I was presented those two options, I know what I'd say. So she faints and then she wakes up and he says, so what will it be? Not, oh, are you okay? I noticed you fainted during takeoff. Would you like a glass of water? He just says, what'll it be? And he says, you've got an hour on this plane. And by the time we land, you will have had your punishment. He says, I'm nothing if not fair. At least I let you choose. That's not being fair. You know what? That's not being fair. And then he says, but my patience will run out soon and I'll do the same thing you did, which is whatever I want. So he's like, yeah, I'm being fair. I will let you choose unless you take too long and then I'll just take it upon myself and choose for you. Ugh. And she says, oh, fine, I'll suck you off. Which is the wrong choice, Laura. But maybe she's thinking, I bit your tongue, maybe I'll bite your dick too. Maybe she's doing that. Maybe that's her plan. And he says, I thought as much and starts unzipping his pants. And he approaches her, but instead of his prick on my face, (laughs) I felt him lifting me. And so he's carrying her through to a separate part of the plane, which is a dark room with a bed in the middle. A couple of things. 
she didn't notice that he undid her seatbelt. So he just lifted her up with her seatbelt still being on. And also this tiny, tiny little tube with wings, this tiny little plane has a whole room with a bed in it. It doesn't sound like one of those small little planes, does it? Because he puts it down on the bed and then he disappears in a small adjoining room. Like the plane has rooms and he comes back with a black bathrobe belt in his hand. So then he takes the belt off from her wrists and replaces it with the softer bathrobe belt. So yeah, he's just being so gallant. And then she says he reached to the nightstand and picked up a sleeping mask. This bedroom on this plane has a nightstand? Sounds as roomy as a Victoria's secret change room. So then he puts an eye mask over her so she can't see anything. So she's disoriented, she can't see where he is, but she's licking her lips, waiting for his manhood. But then she can feel him unzipping her pants and she's like, what are you doing? Don't you just need my mouth for what you're about to do? And he laughs and he says, pleasuring me wouldn't be a punishment for you. I know you've been wanting to do it since morning, but if I do it to you without your control, we'll be square. So like a minute ago, he's all like, I'm very fair. I'm giving you a choice. And then he's like, psych, opposite day. And he just does the opposite of what she wants. And she says, please, Massimo, don't do it. And he says, I asked you to not to hit me. I asked you, comma, to, with the two O's, comma, not to hit me. That's not a great, that's not a great line of dialogue, is it? I asked you to not to hit me. I asked you to not to hit me. And so she's clearly not consenting. She's pushing her legs shut. She's saying, please don't. I mean, that's your tip off. And she's also whining softly with fear. So yeah, this isn't consensual. But then she, oh God, this is really dark. So she says, oh God. So she says that she knew he'd do what he was saying, whether she wanted it or not. So she just relaxes and lets it happen which isn't consent. Who wrote this? Blanca Lipinska's fucked up. And then he starts kissing her and their tongues are dancing quicker and quicker. And she says, I wanted him. My lips were growing greedier. (sighs) And then her lace panties get a shout out. Remember, remember all the trouble we went to to get her some lace panties? Well, now they're getting a shout out. He says, I love how your skin feels in that lace. Then he's slipping fingers in, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, she says, he rubbed my lips down there. Like, why has she got to talk like this? So that goes on for a while. And then she can feel his breath through the lace of her panties. And he's like, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but let me know if I'm doing good. Direct me. I want to give you ecstasy. Oh boy. And then she's feeling embarrassed. But that's when she realizes why he had given her the face mask. He wanted her to feel comfortable during their first intercourse. And no, I don't think that's what that was about. I don't, I don't think so. But then he's breathing all over her. And then finally she's like, lick me, please, Don Massimo. So she's calling him Don Massimo. Then she says he leaned down and sank his tongue in my snatch. Like, okay, this is a crime against humanity. This book is a war crime, to be quite frank. And he says, I want you to come, but I want to torture you with more orgasms until you beg me to stop. This is punishment, blah, blah, blah. And then he rips the sleeping mask off her face. So yeah, maybe he didn't want her to feel comfortable by not being able to see. And he's staring at her and she says, I'd never liked it when a man looked at me when I was orgasming. Somehow it felt too intimate. Like, okay, 
that's too intimate, but okay. Um, and she says he swooped in again, his lips caressing my clit and two of his fingers impaled me. Impaled me. So then she's coming and she's shouting, which she says is in her native tongue. Don't know what it means, but it's in her native tongue. And then he's impaling her again. And then she's coming again and she's saying, I'm sorry. And then, and then I guess it's over. Thank God. Then he pulls out a box of wet wipes from the nightstand and starts wiping her vagina, which is okay. You know, you know, Blanca, you can skip over some things. You can skip over some things. Then he says, apology accepted and he leaves. <laughs> Jesus. So then she comes back out to the main compartment and he's biting his lips and he says, my lips smell of your pussy now. Suddenly I'm not so sure if you were the one punished. Yeah, it didn't really seem like a traditional punishment. Um, like where I come from, like a punishment is just like, you know, you're grounded. You can't, can't use your phone. You have to do extra chores, like that kind of a thing. But no, 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 he's confused about his punishment methods. Okay, okay. So then she snatches a champagne glass from his hand and says, so what's our plans for today? Not comfortable with her using the word snatches because of what I've just read, but okay. Then he says, I can see the size of the plane stopped bothering you. And she's like, oh, you know what? I did forget about my fear. So there's a method to Massimo's madness. It's just like Blunk is trying anything to justify her falling in love with this guy. She's like, oh, he's so good for her because now she's not worried about flying. And I'm like, he raped her just then. Why are we acting like this is a romance? So then they land, a couple of black SUVs pick them up. They get into the car and he whispers, I'd like to be inside you, deep and brutal. I'd like to feel your wet snatch close around my cock. Stop saying snatch. Stop it. So then Massimo leans over to the front seat and he says to the driver to like pull over or something. So the driver pulls over, the man gets out and they're left in the car alone. And he says, sit in the passenger seat in the front. And she says, you order me around like a dog. I am no dog. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe Blanca's a bit more of a feminist than I give her credit for. Maybe she is writing this book from a feminist perspective. And then he says, not a dog, a bitch. And I'm thinking, no, you know what? Blanca sucks. (laughs) Blanca is just really disappointing me with this book. So he ties her to the front seat and he gets in the driver's seat and he presses the ignition button and a woman's voice from the GPS directed him and he starts to drive. So he just drives off. Don't know what happened to their driver. Is their driver just like in the middle of the desert right now, just like, trying to get reception to call an Uber on his phone. What, what happened to the poor driver? He's on the side of the road hitchhiking right now. Massimo's just driving off and she's tied to the front seat and it's starting to hurt her. She says, my back hurts and my arms. And he says, well, I'm hurt too, but for an entirely different reason. <sighs> what? A C word. He's like, well, you hurt me emotionally, so I'm going to hurt you physically. That is not okay. This is a nasty little book, isn't it? Why did they ever make this a movie? Why did Netflix ever say, hey, let's make a movie of this horrible rape book? And she's pissed off, rightfully so. So she's ranting at him in Polish, saying how as soon as she's untied, she'll smack him so hard he'll have to look for his teeth on the ground. And then Massimo's like, repeat that in English. But she doesn't. And then he's like, well, I'll take your mind off your pain then. 
And so then he like starts one handed driving and with the other hand, he's, um, he's doing that thing with his fingers that he does. And let's just take a moment to remember, he's trying to win her over. He said, it's just going to take me 365 days, but you're going to fall in love with me by the end of it. And we're going to live happily ever after. And this is his approach. We're awake in and he's like, yeah, I'll just rape her on a plane, which she's deathly afraid of. And then after that trauma, I'll just tie her to the front seat and finger her while I'm driving. That's about as romantic as it gets, right? So she's screaming, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And he says, if you don't pipe down, I'll have to gag you. I'd like to hear the GPS if you don't mind. Yeah, because safety first. We need to hear the GPS for the directions. It's okay that you're driving one-handed and fingering your passenger, but okay. And she says, you promised me you wouldn't do anything against my wishes. And she says his fingers are irritating her clitoris, which doesn't sound sexy. And he says, I'm not doing anything against your wishes. I'm just making sure your hands aren't in pain anymore. And no, it's pretty clearly against her wishes, mate. So then she's getting really into it, but then he gets to the hotel and he stops the car and he's like, we're here. And he just (sighs) pulls his fingers out or whatever. And she's so annoyed by that. She's like, how could he leave me on the cusp like this? But she realizes this was his whole point. He wants her to beg and he wants her to show him how much she desires him. But then she claps back and she's like, well, that's great. I hope whatever was hurting you has stopped. So he pulls her onto him. So now she's straddling him in the driver's seat. This is, oh, she says snatch again. She says snatch again. Oh, I can't, I can't. Then he says, what hurts me is that I haven't come in your mouth yet. (sighs) But thank Christ there's a knock on the window and they have to stop their little silent battle, she describes it. And it's Domenico. Um, how did he get there first? He was just in the house packing her bags. He wasn't on the plane, right? As far as I'm aware, it was just the two of them on the plane. Otherwise, how awkward for everyone else. Um, But Domenico somehow beat them at their destination. Domenico is like the host of the amazing race. He's always just there first. Always there to surprise you at the finish line. That's Domenico. And so they get out of the car. She says, we headed toward the hotel I was still clutching him, my legs around his hips. So I guess he's carrying her into the hotel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And she says... I could feel the surprised stares of the other guests. Then they get into the elevator and he says, yeah, there's a reason why I didn't want to let you go. The first one is that my erect cock is about to rip through my pants. And the second is that yours have a wet stain on them. And the only things that could cover them both were my hands and your hips. So instead of taking off his jacket, because he has a jacket. She described him in the plane as taking off his jacket. So instead of him maybe just like, holding his jacket in front of his bulge and her like maybe having a handbag to cover up her wet patch. He just thought, you know what would be more inconspicuous if I carry you in with your legs wrapped around my crotch so no one could see my boner or your wet patch. That doesn't make sense. But she bit her lip hearing this and said, he was making sense. No, he wasn't, Laura. He wasn't making sense. You have baggage. Sling a bag or across your waist and cover up your wet spot that way. He was making sense. <sighs> so they get to the apartment. It's big. She goes and has a shower because she's always got to tell us that she has a shower. Then she finds a bottle of champagne and she starts smashing it because, you know, she loves champagne. And I don't blame her. I don't blame her for wanting to have a drink or two since she's a hostage. And then she's just exploring the hotel. She's exploring and she finds herself in a room in pitch, pitch darkness, she says. And then she hears a voice that she'd grown to recognize say, sit. And so she can't say anything, but she does what she's told. And then I guess her eyes have adjusted or someone's turned on a lamp or something because she can see him drying his hair with a towel. And he's, he's naked, of course. He's just gotten out of a shower. She says, I could not take my eyes off the penis now dangling in front of my face. I was staring my mouth agape and then she starts praying and I'm like, oh, praying for help. I get it. No, she's praying to God for the strength to resist his penis. So then he starts stroking his prick and she prays harder. And then he says, will you help me? I won't do anything without your consent. Remember that? (sighs) What the fuck do you mean? You won't do anything without a consent. You just did a lot of things without her consent. His idea of consent is so ridiculous. I I can't, I can't. And she's overwhelmed because she really, she really wants him, but she doesn't want to succumb too soon because then the fun will be over. That's her line of reasoning. And she says, my reptilian brain reminded me that the man masturbating before me was the same man who wanted to kill my family, which is a great point. But why are you saying that your brain is reptilian? Like, why are you being so offensive to yourself? And she's like, you've got to be joking. Besides, you've got everyone around helping you with stuff. Why don't you get someone to help you with this? And so he's like, oh, well, that's your idea. So he picks up his phone 
and he dials a number and says something in Italian and then hangs up. <laughs> what a great conversation. And he says, come here. And she's like, no, nah, let me out. I want to leave because the door's locked. I don't know when he had time to lock the door, but the door's now locked. So he picks her up, he throws her on the bed and then he handcuffs her to the pillars of the bed. So he's handcuffed her and he says, I'll do what I want with you. And he growls and he's sneering. So yeah, I won't do anything without your consent. Neck minute, handcuffing her to the bed without her consent. And then he puts some tube apparatus between her legs and ties her ankles to it. Then she says he pulled out a chain and fixed it to the collar wrapped around her right ankle. Now, I don't know if a collar can be around an ankle. I thought a collar was exclusively a neck type thing. Uh, but he's, he's chained something to her ankle. And then he repeated the operation with her left ankle. God, the detail. We're just getting the blow by blow of this collar on the ankle. So apparently it's a telescopic bar and it elongates, but will not shorten. And so it keeps pushing her legs open wider and wider. So then someone knocks at the door. So he pulls a sheet over her to sort of cover her up. And so he opens the door and a young woman comes in and she says, I couldn't see her clearly. Well, because she's under a sheet, remember? But she had long dark hair and wore impossibly high heeled stilettos, accentuating the shape of her toned legs. It sort of sounds like you can see her clearly. I couldn't see her clearly, but here's a description of her head and her legs and her heels. So I can see her from head to toe. Then Massimo comes over and he pulls her head up and puts a pillow beneath it so she does get a better view. So the other girl, she gets naked and she drops to her knees and promptly started to suck her oppressor's cock. So she's calling Massimo her oppressor. So she starts going to town and Laura narrates, the girl knew what she was doing. She was a pro. And yes, I think, I think she is a pro, if you know what I mean. And then she's staring at Massimo and she's getting jealous. She says, did I envy this woman? And she says, the show Massimo was starring in was exciting me, stoking the flames of my passion, but at the same time making me angry. And she admits that she is jealous. Far out. She shuts her eyes because she doesn't know how to handle it. And he says, open your eyes and look at me right now. And she says, I won't, you can't make me. And he says, if you don't look at me right now, then I'll lie next to you and she'll finish the job rubbing against you, your choice. Again. Uh, none of this is consensual. I don't think, uh, you and her having a sex act pushed up against her, against her will while she's tied to the bed is consensual. Nope, it is not. But then she's staring and it has the intended effect because she wants him. She says, if not for the fact that I was tied down, I probably would have thrown that woman out and finished what she had started. Uh, yep. And then he screams out, yes, Laura, yes. And he comes flooding the girl's throat with sperm. (sighs) God, that's descriptive. Also, that poor girl. She's just done all this work and Laura's getting the credit. (laughs) He's screaming, yes, Laura, yes. If I were her, I'd be like, um, what am I, chopped liver? So then he barks something at the poor girl and she leaves. Massimo disappears into the bathroom. He has a shower. Then he comes back and he says, I can put you at ease, baby girl. I'll lick you slow, make you come. Ugh. And she says, my heart was thundering fast and hard like applause after a Beyonce concert. (laughs) Like applause after a Beyonce concert. See, now, like, you're just not getting metaphors and similes like this in other books. You're just not. We can go from her talking about an oppressor impaling her snatch 
And then to her heart thundering fast like applause after a Beyonce concert. Why Beyonce? Don't bring Beyonce into this mess. So then Massimo starts talking about how he really likes this hotel because he owns it and this apartment's good because he's bought all the nice furniture for it. And I'm like, what the fuck are you referring to? And I think he's referring to the the tube bar that's extending her legs apart. And I'm like, that's not really furniture. You can sort of take that with you to different hotel rooms. But no, no, just keep coming to this hotel for that one bit of equipment that's in the nightstand. Are you renting out the apartment when you're not there? Are you Airbnb-ing this place out? And then the guests are like, what the fuck's this tube with the collars on the cuffs? So she lets out a soft yelp of resignation, which if I was making out with someone and they offered a slight yelp of resignation, I would sort of maybe take that as a sign that they're not into it. But he's like, ha ha, that's my cue. And he says, I'll fuck you so hard. All of Sicily will hear you scream. And I'm thinking you're still in Sicily. (laughs) Sicily can't be that big, right? They were in Sicily. They just had an hour flight and they're still in Sicily. I thought at least they would have gone to the mainland. At least what business is you doing in Sicily? that he couldn't have done outside of his home. This seems like it's a day trip type of meeting, not an overnight stop. But no, they're still in Sicily. But then she hears clicking and her hands are falling free and he says, put some clothes on. We need to be in one of my clubs in an hour. So she didn't get the release that she wanted. She didn't get it. And then a tsunami of fury rolled over her. So she runs out of the room to, to confront him and he's already in a suit and pants sipping on champagne. So. He's a quick dresser. He's a quick dresser to already be dressed. And she's like, what the fuck was that? And so then he goes on to a huge speech, just being like, oh, did that girl take your interest? Did she? She's nothing but a whore. I own a few brothels. And you didn't seem to want to help me blow off some steam. So, you know, I got Veronica over. What more is there to say? I won't force myself on you. Not before you give me your consent. This again. He says consent so many times, but he's never once gotten the meaning correct. And he says, it's hard for me to control myself, but I won't rape you. Despite the fact that we know it'd be the best sex of our lives and that you'd beg for more when it ended. Like, does he not realize that he did just rape her on the plane? Like he just raped her that day. And he's like, I'm not going to rape you. That's why I got a whore from one of my brothels. Also, don't demonize sex workers. So she realizes that what Massimo really wanted was for her to give herself over to him out of love not animalistic desire because she's already got the animalistic desire. She's got that. And she realizes he wants to possess me whole. And she's like, oh, he's so devious and manipulative. And she wants him even more, she says. So she goes to have a shower. So many showers that no one's in this book has had a shower that we didn't hear about. We are just getting updated on every single freaking shower. There's been six this chapter. So many showers. Like I know they're having a lot of sex. It's good that they're showering afterwards, but this is a lot of showering. Is Sicily running out of water? So then she runs into Domenico and Domenico tries to make small talk being like, aren't you sick of him yet? Kind of a thing. And it's like, Domenico, you must know what's up, right? You know that she's a hostage. You can't just be like, what are you not sick of him? Like she's not choosing to be here, buddy. And she's like, who said I'm not sick of him? And you never asked me what I'd like. Instead, making me drink all those fizzy carbs all the time. So now she's pissed off about the champagne. She said earlier, it's her favorite drink in the world. She loves champagne. Now she's like, stop making me drink all these fizzy carbs, Domenico. Like, that's, that's your issue. So then she's like, well, where are we going? And he says, it's a club called Nostro. 
it's a pretty classy spot. Only politicians, businessmen, and their whores. So yeah, super classy, just a really high-end vibe, and it's full of prozies. So then they talk about how she was jealous of Veronica the whore. (laughs) And Domenico says, you can't be jealous of a whore, you know. She's only doing a job. Okay, what is this conversation? And he says, oh, stop rummaging around looking for clothes. I've already laid out a dress for you. So then he leaves and then she collapses, puts her head in her hands, and then she slaps herself. And then I guess Massimo's in the room because Massimo says, if this is your way of disciplining yourself, I can gladly hit you harder. And she opens her eyes and Massimo's sitting in an armchair behind her. So does this hotel have like secret hidden bookcases with passageways behind it? Because he is appearing behind her like it's freaking Scooby-Doo. Like he must have the quietest shoes, the quietest little tread because he is constantly springing up without her knowing. It's like a horror movie. This is a horror book. And Massimo's like, look, Veronica's a prostitute. She comes over, she sucks my dick and sometimes I fuck her if I'm in the mood. What's the problem? And I'm like, yeah, we're all aware she's a prostitute. We've had clarity from everybody at this point. The maid's going to come in and be like, Veronica is a prostitute. And like, we know. So then she turns around and she's like, why are you telling me this? Do you want me to tell you about Martin and how we used to have sex? And he doesn't like that. So his sly smirk vanishes. And then he gets up, walks over to her, grabs her by the shoulders, lifts her up, perches her on the counter next to the sink. And he says, everything you see here is mine. And I guess they're looking in a mirror. I sort of got a bit of everything you see is the Pride Lands Simba vibes from that. But he says, everything you see here is mine and I'll kill anyone who takes what's mine. So yeah, he's he's possessive. If you haven't figured it out, Massimo is possessive. Remember because he had a vision of her. This is all because he was in a coma and he had a vision. (sighs) They've sort of dropped that plot point. Also her heart condition. Remember (laughs) remember how she has a heart condition? Hasn't mentioned that in a while. So she's like, oh, everything's yours, is it? So then she comes up with a plan to punish his hypocrisy. And she looks at the dress that's been laid out and she says, you like whores? I'll show you a whore. So she goes to a a closet and looks at all of the dresses that she has available. And so she puts it on and she does her makeup. And then Domenico's at the door 30 minutes later and he says, fuck me, you can't go out wearing that. He'll kill you. He'll kill me. You can't wear that. And she's laughing and she looks at herself in the mirror and she's wearing a flesh colored dress with thin shoulder straps and it revealed the entire back and the sides of her breasts. So I don't know if that means you can see the back of her breasts. I don't know what the back of a breast is, or you can see her back and the side of her breasts. Maybe a little Oxford comma would have cleared that up, but you can see her entire back and sides of her breasts. And she's like, yep, didn't cover much at all, but that was the plan. She's wearing thigh high boots to emphasize the fact that she's barely dressed and she's got a very tight ponytail on the top of her head and that hairdo complimented the smoky eyes and bright glossy lips so she looks like a whore and Domenico's like you can't wear that and I'm like Domenico you packed her bags you bought her these clothes Domenico you must be aware that she would wear it why would you bring her all these clothes if you weren't going to let her at least pick an outfit And he's like, do you realize I'll be in big trouble if he sees you like that? Maybe don't pack it then, Domenico. Don't blame everything on Laura. So she trots out of a room. All the staff freeze when they see her because she's just so skimpy. 
And then her and Domenico go into a limo that's parked outside. And he says, this is the day I die. And he pours himself a glass of amber liquid. And she's like, oh, Domenico, I'm not doing this to you. I'm doing this to him. <sighs> so, so the young Italian helps himself to another drink. Still called the young Italian. And then she starts saying how Domenico looked really dapper in light gray pants and similarly colored shoes and a white shirt with the sleeves rolled up and a beautiful gold Rolex shining from his wrist. Like, okay, do we care what Domenico looks like? Do any of us care at this point? This has been the longest chapter in the world and we're hearing what Domenico's wearing. We don't care. Just end the fucking chapter. And she says, I think I look very stylish and sexy. And then Domenico says, sexy, that's for sure. But stylish? I sincerely doubt that Massimo will appreciate this particular brand of elegance. And that's the end of the chapter. What a hilarious joke to end on. Ugh. <sighs> What a slog. I've got, I've got no banter left in me. I got nothing left in me. I, I'm gonna have to call it. I'm gonna have to call it. Goodbye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 